Well, good morning. And it's great to be here. Thank you, Cindy. I appreciate that offertory. Um, when I got in this morning, I saw so many faces that I haven't seen in a while. Some I see regularly and some I haven't seen. But I walked in and, and I saw Cindy over here. So just great. I see people around that I've seen at some place in time, some place um, in ministry. Uh, but some of you, it's the first time getting to meet you. So I've, I've been excited to meet some of the groups coming in. Uh, my name's Scott, and I have the opportunity just to get to share the word with you. And I love what Carson prayed a minute ago. Lord, just tear into our hearts. Like, that's what we want God to do, to tear into our hearts, break down anything that would keep us from hearing his word, hearing his, uh, his will for our lives. And uh, so I want to start right there. I want to pray really quick. God, as you move in our hearts and our minds and our lives, we give you thanks for this place that we call the chapel. We give you thanks for the people that give so freely of their time, their talent, their energy to make this available. People who, Lord, give up sacrificially so that especially young men and women can hear the gospel clearly and hear the Lord speak their name and call their name, and especially for children that, uh, Lord, that life hasn't gone the way for them it has for us, and so they make special preparations for them to hear that they matter to Jesus and they matter to us. So, God, we just ask you to move in our hearts and our minds, and we give you all the credit, all the glory, and the honor for what you do here today in this place. And everyone agreed and said amen. All right, so I'm excited to be here because this place means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to you. How many of you were excited, like, you got to go to the beach? Like, how many of you, like, had this on your calendar for a while? My man right there is like, two hands up. I had it on my calendar for a long time. Uh, just getting to go down to the sea, getting to go to do something different. Um, I'm really curious. I know I've got groups here in front of me. I, I'm really curious about what, how many from South Carolina? All right. How many from outside of South Carolina? All right. Good. At what state? Oh, the, the north. Oh, yeah, the north Carolina. Okay. The other Carolina. We got you. Uh, the north. Okay. And they're better than us over here. No, I'm just kidding. I love North Carolina. My family's from there. Um, anybody outside of north South Carolina? All right. Oh, we got one over here. Where are you from? Wisconsin. All right. All right. I will ask you for cheese curds later. But everybody that is here, I feel like that God has brought you here for a purpose. And I know that because time and time again in my life, I've been called to this place um, for, for a purpose of God and to hear God. And um, I'm excited that you had a chance to come down to the sea, to come down to see what God's doing and what God's. I, you know, I know that in each of your groups, God's doing something great amongst you. I know here in my life, this has been a special place, and, and it's our prayer that Garden City Chapel will be a special place in your heart, a place that's not just something you come to as a kid, but something later you bring your kids to and something that becomes a part of your family. I, I know for me, when I was in high school, and it's a long ways back, so some of you weren't even born yet, but in 95, I was seated right here. Um, I came, and it was a time I knew Jesus before I came to the chapel for, it was an event called Chrysalis. But it was a time for me where I was like, okay, yeah, God is real, and God is calling me, and God's inviting me to be on a mission with him. Um, but then in 97, I was at a different place where I felt like God was kind of fine-tuning, like, yeah, I, I have something for you. And it was actually, there used to be wooden pews. Some of you remember the wooden pews, and somewhere right about, right about where you're seated, like, I don't put you on the spot, but right where you were seated in October of 97, God showed me something very, very clear of why I was here at the chapel. And I know there are four people in this room, or four kinds of people in this room today. 
There are some of you that you might, for the first time, have heard Jesus call your name. And you've just, you might, by being here in Garden City with your church group or just being here, some of you might have heard God call your name. And you've decided that He is worthy to be Lord over everything in your life. And for that, like, that's it. That's what we applaud. And we hope that that is a reality for a lot of you. But then there's some of you that have known Jesus for some time. But this is a chance where you kind of you come to the beach. You're like, okay, Lord, I just need some more wind in my sails. I kind of need like a little bit of a reboot, maybe kind of a reset. And going down to the ocean is a chance to get a reset, to kind of like, okay, Lord, put some more wind in my sails, kind of show me what you'd have for me in my life. Now, there's some people here that have been a part of this chapel for a long time, and you're asking the same question that all of people here. So whether you've met Jesus for the first time here, um, you, you would ask yourself, okay, where do we go from here? And that's a question that I only hope you answer today through Scripture. For those that are Christians, have been a Christian for some time, but you come to the beach and you're like, okay, God, thank you for renewing my faith. Thank you for helping me to remember and remember what this is all about. And then so you had a high holy moment. You come to the beach and it was a really cool thing. And you go, okay, but where do we go from here? I got to go back to where we came from. Where do we go from here? Now, there are people who live here all year, and you're, you're kind of in charge of making sure these facilities are available, and you ask big questions organizationally, where do we go from here? That's the singular question that I want us to entertain today, where do we go from here? Whether you're new in faith, whether you're renewing your faith by spending time with your group here at the beach, or, or maybe you're looking to reinvigorate what God's doing in your life. And I want to speak to that. Where do we go from here? And the beauty is that Jesus shows us the answer to that question in Scripture. Um, every other year, I have the opportunity to take people to Israel. And we go to Israel, and we go to this place uh, where this Scripture happens today. And it's written in the bulletin for you, Mark 1. Um, we'll start in Mark 1. And so there's a place in, in Scripture called the Sea of Galilee. And to be fair, it's called the sea. Technically, it should be called a lake because it's not salt water. It's a lake. It's a freshwater lake. It's the water comes off of Mount Hermon and just kind of funnels into there. Um, But it's a place that if you just in your mind just know this, the same way that you have come to the sea to hear what God has for you, to see what God's doing, or maybe you're here and you're living on mission and you're, you're working on mission like you're, okay, we're going to the sea because we expect God to move in our midst. Jesus did that with his disciples, and they went to the seashore, and they went to the Sea of Galilee. Matter of fact, there's a town in Israel called, well, it's called Capernaum or Capernaum. depends on which uh, English that you speak, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, but it's Capernaum or Capernaum. And so Jesus is actually, is called his hometown. And people would argue, like, no, 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 Nazareth, right? That's the story. He was born, he's from, yeah, he was from Nazareth. But when Jesus decided to, okay, it is time for my ministry to begin, somewhere around 30 years of age, he actually moved to Capernaum, and he went down by the sea. It's literally on the seashore of the Sea of Galilee. Some really cool things happen there by the sea. Amazing things happen by the sea. It is where Jesus called his first disciples. You hear this in Matthew 4, 19, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. It, it is where Jesus did some teaching by the sea. It is where Jesus 
probably made his biggest stance on behalf of children was down by the sea. It was in Capernaum that Jesus looked at some millstones and said, you know, it would be better if you took that millstone and jumped into the Sea of Galilee. Then it, it, it would go better for you than if you were to harm one of my little ones. Like down by the sea, big things happen in Jesus's ministry. And I want to take you to there today to one, because here's the question. If you came to faith or you're renewing your faith, or you're asking God to reinvigorate your faith, or your plan, what is God's purpose for your life? I believe God has an answer for each of you today. And the, where do we go from here? Let's say you, you have made a decision to follow Jesus. And that's easy to do here in this little microcosm called camp, or beach camp, or beach retreat, whatever you call it. It's easy to do here, but where do you go from here? Like when you go back to school, can you walk this out at your school? Can you walk this out on the sidelines? Can you walk this out on the field? Can you walk this out in the hallways? Can you, can, where do we go from here? How do we take what you have experienced here at the chapel and send you to live on mission with Jesus? This can get confusing. Even people close to Jesus get this wrong. And I want to show you in Scripture how this plays out. In Mark chapter 1. Mark is not like the other Gospels. Mark is very short. Um, it's probably the first Gospel written chronologically, like in, in time. Because Matthew and Luke, that well, they copy off of Mark. Mark doesn't have like a birth narrative about who's Jesus' daddy and mama and who's your mama and them and all that stuff. Like it doesn't start there. It starts with there's a man who goes into the wilderness to live on mission. His name is John the Baptist. And it just starts. And it's basically Mark saying, where do we go from here? Well, this is how it goes. Well, we're going to live on mission. And so what happens in Mark chapter 1, we jump right into the story of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 1, he goes back to this sea, his little hometown called Capernaum. And he's there by the sea. And what's interesting is that late at night, he starts to do something amazing at Peter's house. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, verse 29, I'll read it. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. And they told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, helped her to sit up, and the fever left her. She prepared a meal for them. So the first thing that we see that happens is they go there, and Peter's mom is sick. His mother-in-law is sick, so Jesus heals her. So down by the sea, what Mark wants us to know is like miracles happen down by the sea. The first of these in this chapter is that Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law who has a high fever that evening after sunset. Now that's important because unlike our calendar where our day starts at midnight, right? Their day when the sun goes down, that's the end of the day. So the new day begins at sunset. And because it was the, it was the basically a Sabbath day, so at sunset, so now everybody's, okay, let's bring everybody in. So at sunset... Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Like basically, there was the beginning of a high holy moment. Here's the recipe. Jesus is there with people who need him. Well, what do they need? They need healing. They have demon possession. They have hurt. They're broken. And the truth is like that everybody's broken and dragging a wagon or something, and they're going to go see to Jesus because like they, they need help. So many people... 
Many people gather. Matter of fact, the whole town gathered at the door to watch because, well, Jesus is down by the sea and he's doing miracles one after another, and that draws a crowd. Go down by the sea, incredible things happen, and it draws a crowd. People want to see. Well, what, what, we want to see what God's doing in our neighborhood. Like, what is God doing? We want to see. And so a whole, the whole town gathered. So Jesus healed many people who were sick, various diseases. He cast out demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he didn't allow them to speak. And so in this moment, this incredible thing's happening. So I want you to paint a picture. Jesus is down by the Sea of Galilee at Peter's house where he grew up. And this huge, high, holy ministry happened, which is like healings, like just one after another. Just bring him in all night long. Healing after healing. This was a high, holy moment. Now, can you imagine being a disciple and you get to just ride shotgun with this? You're like, man, bring him in. What's going to I don't know. Bring him. Jesus like healed. Bring in another healed. Like, can you imagine getting to be a part of that? These are high holy moments in the life of the disciples. Like this is amazing. Like we get to be a part of like all night long Jesus is healing people. And it is a high holy moment. But you know what's interesting about Jesus? He never camps out on his miracles. In a moment, no matter how high, it's still a moment. The peak of the mountain is small for a reason. The valley is wide. Now, now Jesus could have stayed in this moment, camped out. Isn't, isn't the we feel, man, if we could just stay here at Garden City, I won't have to go home and face the haters. I won't have to go home and face people who don't understand what, like, if we could just, if, if we could just like, capture this in a bottle and stay in this moment, this would be amazing. But that is not what you're called for. High holy moments are just a moment. But here's the question. Where do we go from here? Are we to rest on our laurels or what God's done? But, but what if the higher mission, the higher calling, isn't to camp out here? Because this is great. But this won't last. So what you do here has to encounter what we do when we get home. Now, so we see even Jesus' disciples wrestle with this because the very next, read the very next verse. In verse 36, before daybreak. So now, in your mind, Jesus has worked all night from sunset to early into the wee hours of the morning. But Jesus decides to get up and get away. He decides, like, okay, this is a great moment, but I need to get away. There will come a moment when great leaders will lead by saying it's time to move. It's time to pick up our tents and move. It's time to move on. It's time to face reality. And so Jesus gets up, and it says, before daybreak, he went out. And Jesus got up, and he went to an isolated place to pray. It's easy to camp out in the moment. And it's easy to camp out in the accolades of everybody. The whole town gives him the approval. Man, you see what he did all night long? But it takes a mature person, a mature believer to go, I can't camp out 
in the accolades of people who are watching. Here's a question. Is it easier for you to spend time on social media because you have the accolades of likes, subscribes, and follows or to go spend time in God's Word? Which is easier? You see, Jesus is showing us what a feedback loop can do. A feedback loop of, oh, this is great. Let's just be right here. Let's camp right like, And that, if for our mental mind, is social media creates a dopamine hit in your brain for every heart, every like, every subscribe. And we just want to camp out in that. Camp out in the accolades. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Ministry isn't camping out in the accolades. I need to go talk to my father. So Jesus gets up intentionally. And he goes... To speak time, to spend time. I love this because verse 36, the NLT has the word later. So in one, it's before daybreak, and the next verse is later, which means that there is some passage of time that Jesus went away in solitude. Well, why did he do that? Because I believe Jesus wants us to know this one thing. Yesterday's victories can be today's distractions. What you were in that high holy moment is in nothing but a moment. Where we go from here is what's next. So when just camping out, it's like, so Jesus is like, no, I need to go find some, some vision. Because here's the thing. It's one thing to come to the beach and just get in a big feedback loop when everyone's having a good time. But here's the question. Have you spent time with the Father to say, what's next? Where do we go from here? What do I do with this experience? Where do I, and Jesus models this. While everybody else was camped out, he got away to spend some time with the Father. Why? Because he needed vision. He needed clarity because clarity changes everything. And Jesus knows this. You can camp out on your victories or you can live on mission. I, I love this because he's out there. Later, Simon... And the others went out to find him. Verse 37. When they found him, they shouted, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus goes, I, I know, that's why I'm out here. Can you imagine that, that Jesus, the Son of God, is in his moment with the Father, and the disciples run up and start yelling at him, what are you doing out here? We need to be back over here. And Jesus goes, why are you interrupt my class, huh? This is what's important. But what the disciples were caught in was, well, it's a feedback loop of like, but this is great, this is good stuff. And Jesus, I agree that's good. But it's not very great. Because here's the one thing. If I said, the first, here, I'm going to tell you a few things I want you to write down, I want you to remember. Number one is that yesterday's victories can become today's distractions. You ever, you ever know some super seniors around your school that keep coming back to high school and tell you how great they were back in high school? And you're like, bro, that's three years ago. Yesterday's victories, today's distractions. Move on. And the disciples said, like, no, 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 we, we want to camp out in this. And Jesus goes, but here's the thing. That's a good thing we did. But it's not great. The second thing I want you to remember is this. Good is the enemy of great. You can camp out doing good things. This is good. You can camp out here by the sea and do good things. But unless you go live on mission, you'll never find the great thing God has for you. 
And so Jesus responds with this. Everybody is looking for you. Oh, by the way, when everyone finds you, if you're trying to, the thing about people, people come with two things. When you're trying to find the will of God and you're trying to figure out where do we go from here, let me name two things that you have to, well, let me add it to the list. Your former victories can be a distraction. The other two things that can distract you from living on the highest mission with the Father are other people's opinions and their expectations. The disciples showed up with both. I have an opinion about where you should be right now, Jesus. You should be over here. And Jesus goes, sorry, I don't take commands from you. You're not the father. Well, my, my expectation is like, well, don't you know that the whole town's going to expect us to come back and do night two and night three and night four? Because if it was great, it's worth repeating. And everybody will try to manage your life with their opinions and expectations. But Jesus says no to former victories, opinions and expectations of others so that he could say yes to the father. Where do we go from here? You won't find it in other people's opinions. Where do you go from this high holy moment that's just a moment? You won't find it managing other people's expectations. How many of you just get tired of trying to just live up to other people's expectations? I, I do. Like, I, I don't know how to manage everybody's opinions and expectations. And so Jesus says to them, like, like don't even try. Where do you go from here will not be found in your former victories? Other people's expectations, their opinions. Where will it be found? From the Father. So Jesus gets away so that he could hear solely from the Father. And they're like, Jesus, why are you out here? And he's like, so that I can't hear your opinions and your expectations, so I can hear directly from the Father. Because Jesus, go from here. I'm going to get it from him and him alone. And so Jesus responds to them. To this, everyone's looking for you. Oh, you mean, you mean everybody wants me? Like, you, they like me? Well, I should just run back into the direction of people who like me. And I, Well, oh, well, they liked it, so let me just go do another thing so that they will like me even more. And Jesus says, no. No. He says it this way. Where do we go from here? Jesus answers the question. We must go on. What, what do you respond to a high holy moment? Where do we go from here? On. And we must go on. But no, no, let's just go back over here where people like, let's just kind of just, we like, they like us here. Jesus says, well, that's not why I came. Not to be liked, but to save. And so Jesus gives clarity at this moment. And he says to them, we must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. You see, when you get away from people's expectations and opinions and your former victories, you will find why God put you here on this earth. You won't understand where you're going from here and what you should do with your life, your time, talent, industry. Like all of these things, if you're listening to other people's opinions, expectations, and how good you were yesterday. What if God's calling you to something that may not even look like a victory? Because what Jesus is saying here is like, okay, listen, I can keep healing people in the flesh, but unless I get to the cross, they're going to die and go to hell. Oh, Bartimaeus got new eyes, 
but those new eyes are rotted away in a skull somewhere today. Lazarus died twice. And so Jesus says, okay, you, that's good ministry. But it's just a moment because the flesh is nothing but a moment. Scripture says that the flesh is nothing but a vapor. It is just a breath in the, in the hall of the universe. That's it. It's just, it your, your life is exactly a moment. So where do we go from there? And Jesus says, like, I could keep healing people. I could keep doing things that are for the moment. And that's good. But you're going to have to learn to fight not only people's expectations, their opinions. You're going to have to fight the good. Because you're going to find three to four good things to do with your time and never do anything great. Think about people who excel, whether it's in athletics or any field of industry. And think about they're just really good at doing that one thing and they're solely focused because they're, they know they can't get distracted by all these good things. I want to do something great. And so that's the question. Do you want, where do we go from here? Do you want to just go do some good stuff? Or do you want to live on mission with Jesus and go do some great stuff? Well, what is the difference and how will you know? Good things don't last. Great things do. So Jesus, the all-loving God of the universe, turned his back on people who needed a physical healing. Think about that for just a moment. Hey, Jesus, where are you going? Like, there's still sick people. And Jesus goes, I know. I, I get it. But you know they have a spiritual sickness as well? And if I don't get to the cross when they die, they're going to die. But unless I solve a, a, a higher problem, which is a spiritual sickness, we're just playing around. But, but Jesus, this is a good. And Jesus goes, I know, but because... I've learned to understand that I can't wrestle. Jesus never camps out on miracles. He does a miracle and he moves on. This is why Jesus told the demons not to talk about it. It's like, we're not going to camp out here. We're going to keep moving. That's, gonna, that's just going to slow us down. That's going to cause a distraction. It's gonna cause, we have to keep moving to live on higher missions. So here's my question. Maybe you came to the beach. You want to see God do something great. We see this in Scripture. And down by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus did an amazing thing. All night long, he healed people all through the night. And then the question is, well, what, where do we go from here? And even the disciples like, hey, I have an opinion. I have an expectation of where we should spend our time. And, but what if God tells you, no, you can't stay here? And what if I told you that as great as this is, this isn't what you were built for. Ships weren't built for the harbor. They were built for sailing high seas. You weren't built for the echo chamber of church just so everyone would agree and pat you on the back. You were built to go be a beacon of light into a world that is dying, that needs the cross, needs the hope and the, and the grace of Jesus, and to go and proclaim that, not to people who will pat you on the back and say, oh, that was really nice. You were built for something more. So if you have come to faith in Jesus this weekend and you go, where do I go from here? This is great. This is a high holy moment, but it's just a moment. 
you were built for a higher purpose, and that's to live on mission. Well, how do you know the mission? You will only find it by spending time with the Father. And saying, when you, when you get in sync with the Father, and that's why your leaders, that's why the people that are sitting with you are telling you to spend time in the Word, it's because that's when you're going to hear the word yes and hear it very, very clear. Because here's the thing. One yes can be 1,000 no's. When you get clear on what you're willing to say yes to, when you say yes to Jesus, that is one trillion no's. When you decide to get married, when you say yes to your wife, you said no to every other female on the planet. When you say yes to your husband, you've said no to every other man on the planet. That's just how this works. One yes can be one trillion no's. When you say yes to Jesus and your friends say, hey, let's go do this. And you go, yeah, that's a no for me. Why? Because I've already said yes to Jesus and that's a no for me. It's pre-decided. How do you live on a mission? How do you live on a higher calling? Is where do you go from here as you say yes to Jesus and you spend time in the word, spending time with the Father, making sure that you're hearing his expectations so that you can say no to other humanly expectations. People have ideas of what you should be doing, but how do you say no to people? It's because you say yes to God. There are some of us that are reinvigorating our faith by being here, and I would say, like, great, you come to the beach to see what God's doing. And I would tell you, where do you go from here is you go live on mission. You, you, you go live on mission with the Father, and you spend time with the Father, and you find out what you're going to say yes to, so you know what you can go back. You know what? I, rem- I needed to go to the beach this weekend to remind myself of the bigger yes. And the no's just come easy. For, for people that live here in, in this Garden City Chapels of what you do and you're giving your time, talent, and resources, like, okay, you can't rest on yesterday's victories because they can be today's distractions. Well, where do we go from here? Well, we need to spend time with the Father. Find out what the yes is, and we're going to go do that, no matter what people's opinions and expectations are. And we're going to be obedient to the Father. Because one day we'll stand before God, and what I want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. Not one who, like, well, was easily swayed by people's expectations and opinions. Where do you go from here? It's to the Father. And you're like, oh, that's, that's a churchy thing. Like, he's a preacher. They probably pay him to say that. Like, no, it's just true. Because here's what I know, what I learned from Jesus, public ministry is always correlated to private devotion. What you do in the public for Jesus will be a derivative of your private devotion. Because what we see with Jesus is what his great success, well, where did he get it? In his private devotion from the Father. And Jesus goes on to say, everything you've heard me say, well, the Father told me to say it. Everything you do, the Father showed me. Like, you see me, you've seen the Father. Like, he is so in tune to the great yes that he knows how to say no. The question, where do you go from here? Well, you're going to have to find out what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. Well, how do you do that? Well, you spend time with the Father. You learn not to camp out on the the, the laurels and the victories of yesterday because they can be your greatest distraction. You learn to manage other people's expectations and their opinions. You're like, okay, I, I, I hear your opinion, but the only approval I need is of the Father. And I'm going to seek that. If you want to live on mission, the higher mission, 
you have to do something that is so hard to do, and that is to go. Jesus says, we must go. The hard thing about leaving high holy moments is someone has the audacity to turn their back and walk. And Jesus did exactly that. He turned his back to Capernaum. And he walked. And the disciples just stared like, should we follow? Like, what do we do now? Like, I don't know. He's walking. He's gone. Like, well, we better catch up. So our mission is to see the one, follow the one, live to that, and basically be willing to turn your back on things that, well, this looks good. And if you're turning your back on good things, you can only do that by turning your face to great things. Well, how will you know the difference when you turn your back to the flesh and you walk towards eternity? I I lied. I said there were three kind of people in this room. People that have made the decision to follow Jesus. People who are renewing their faith. And people are like, well, this is where we live, what we do. We just want to be faithful. Well, there's possibly a fourth kind of person in this room. And, well, you don't know Jesus. And you're still trying to figure out, like, what do I do with my life? And you you might be at a place where you're just here because, like, man, I don't know. My, my friend was telling me, like, going to the beach. I'm going to the beach. Like, mom will pay for it. I'm here, dude. There was chicks here. There was beach. It was fun. It was great. I'm here. And you might be asking yourself this question, like, I wish I knew what to do with my life because I'm getting a lot of opinions at school about which classes that my people tell me what college I should be going to. All these expectations, and I don't know how to manage it. And you feel, whether you are following Jesus or not, you know what the weight of people's opinions and expectations feels like. And I want to tell you that being a Christ follower might be one of the best ways I know to deal with that because when your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone it just gets clear it doesn't get easy you get better you see like if you're trying to figure out how to get better at life let me just say it comes by following Jesus it won't get easier you get better because you have a bigger yes and all I'm asking you today is for those of us that have never said yes I want to tell you about the biggest yes you could ever say yes to that will be one trillion no's for the rest of your life. And you won't even have to wonder where you stand. You won't even have to wonder, like, what should I say no to? Because, like, I know my yes. I know who I'm committed to. I know who I'm devoted to. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you to know this, that the whole Christian story is that there you have a father in heaven who loves you so much that he gave his son, who is the bigger yes, And he walked away from eternity to live on mission here on earth so that we would have a pattern by which to form and shape our lives. And by saying yes to Jesus, like that is the greatest clarity you'll ever receive. Number one, you have clarity of where you'll spend your eternity. And that's pretty clear because those who are in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. You have clarity for not only eternal life, but this life about what should I, where do I go from here? What do I do with my time? What do I do with what God has given me? Like living on mission with Jesus will be the greatest adventure you'll ever take on because it will have a purpose and a meaning. And you won't be living for things that will just be good. You'll be living for things that are great. You won't be living for things that will just die when you die. You will be living for things that outlive you. And I want to pray for you for that today. Would you pray with me? Father, I just ask that for those.